Here it is. Again. And it's cold. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. Let's go! Hey, everybody. I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the haunting, iridescent, beguiling, and slightly menacing music of Kate Bush <laughs> in this episode of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. That's, uh, that's quite an intro, I have to say. <laughs> I, I have spent a lot of time thinking about exactly the right adjectives to capture why I love her music so much. So, so those, the, those four, four adjectives, it took me about three days to, to whittle it down to, yeah. to kind of condense exactly what my love for, for Kate Bush was. That, that's fantastic. Well, it's, I think it's perfect. Um, <laughs> so, um, Hey, hey, everybody! So this is this is it. Our deep dive for Kate Bush, right? Love um, it. I'm excited. So, <laughs> um, so he, here's the thing, okay? If you're a fan of Kate Bush, you're gonna know this next song. In fact, if if you're not a fan of Kate Bush or you're under the age of 40, you might not think you know Kate Bush so well. But this next song, I'm pretty sure you're gonna remember or you're gonna recognize. This is. Uh, we're gonna start with some some Kate Bush here. We're gonna play "Running Up That Hell," and it comes off of Hounds of Love. It's a great song. I love the playlist that we have um, for this show, Rob. I mean, I, I I say that a lot, but you know, it's it's funny because with typically with our playlists, you know, even with our deep dive playlists, it's they can be pretty disjointed affairs because we're always just picking this our favorite songs of the albums. We're not thinking about how they fit together. Right. But boy, this playlist fits together as a playlist so good. So at, at as you know, we like nailed down these songs right before I took off to go to my my father's ranch, right? Mm -hmm. So I downloaded the playlist because there's virtually I have virtually no internet access out at my dad's ranch. And um you know, I was out there for four or five days, and you know, I after a day of hauling firewood and burning slash piles and mending skylights and you know just general ranch work, I would just 
collapse and listen to this playlist. And, oh, it was... Put you in the zone, didn't exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's just been a crazy week in the world, yeah, it has. as you know. <laughs> it has. Um, so this this is this was exactly the playlist that I needed to just absorb this well, week. Um, I I want to I want to say that you know you and I were talking before we started recording today that uh, I'm I would never consider myself a fan of Kate Bush, and it's not that I don't appreciate her. I think she's a great artist. She's got a great voice. She's a fantastic me- uh, songwriter. Her lyrics are brilliant. Um, but my ear just never rested with that sound. You know, I never connected with the sound. Um, but I, there's a bit of an upset right here because I really like this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You, you had some interesting choices that we can talk to when Uh we, when we get to the, uh, the individual songs. Um, as I I mentioned, I'm sorry. I would have liked to have picked another six or seven songs, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, As I mentioned last episode, uh, Kate Bush was, um, I believe, my number seven on my list of all-time favorite new wave artists. But honestly, I think that, you know, she might rise up a notch or two. Interesting. I just, uh, who knows, um, down the road. But, um. I love, I love the music of, of Kate Bush, you know, and, and those, those, uh, those four adjectives that I use to, to kind of synthesize what I love about Kate Bush's music. It was the word iridescent that really clicked for me and and actually I came across it because it is a the she uses that word in one of the songs in the playlist I can't remember which one but when I heard I was like oh that's her music because there are so many different levels and so many different emotions going on I mean it'll be lovely but it'll be haunting but it'll be mournful but it'll be menacing all at the same time um i I I just she is she is the whole package she absolutely is she is like a triple black belt um (laughs) in song in song smithing use the word iridescent and that's definitely a word that i would use when when describing her um i think last episode you talked about you know sprinkling pixie dust everywhere and i when thinking about kate bush i always think about glowing light, uh, you know, light as air floating around the room. I don't know, for some reason, these are all images and and moods that she puts in my head, Mm. (laughs) you know. Um, But haunting is definitely... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, when I used Sprinkling Pixie Dust as a description for her first album, I was... I was saying that derisively, um, uh, you know, as far as just lyrically and everything, this whole like woman, child, wide eyed woman, child, earth mother type thing, which doesn't doesn't really resonate with me. It's (laughs) it's the other stuff. It's the mournful, haunting, 
um, slightly menacing stuff that well, that um, really resonates for me. Yeah. So once we get into the playlist, as far as playing the music, um, mournful, haunting, and iridescent <laughs> are all yeah. all uh, things that are going to come up. <laughs> okay. So let's just talk about Kate Bush in general for a second. So people who aren't familiar with with who she is, what she's about, and what her story is, they can get up to speed just a little bit. So she was um, she was 16 or 17 when she was signed to EMI, um, but it wasn't until um, she was 19 that her first album was released. But she had been writing songs since she was 11. Um, the top Spotify uh songs for Kate Bush is number one is Wuthering Heights. Number two is Running Up That Hill, Hill, A Deal With God. Number three is Babushka. Number four is Cloud Bursting. And number five is This Woman's Work. What else do you want to say about Kate Bush before we um, start, before we jump into our rankings. Well, you know, I I heard this story. Uh, you mentioned how she was, uh, she started writing when she was 11. Um, I had read an interview with her someplace. Gosh, I want to say it's, it's been a couple of years now. Um, at any rate, so when she was like 15 years old, you know, she already, she, she made some demos and I'm sorry, I think she was 16. Anyway, she, so she made some demos and they got passed off to a friend of her parents. And that friend was Pink Floyd's David Gilmore. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so apparently she claims to not have any idea, had known nothing about contemporary music at the time that, you know, just wasn't something she was, was into. She did her own thing. So she didn't really know who David Gilmore was other than he was a friend of her, her parents. Um, and, uh, but he heard the demos and, and right, he apparently was in the middle of making Wish You Were Here, uh, for Pink Floyd and immediately dropped everything he was doing. And he went to meet with her family and they played like 50 or 60 songs on this tape for him. And he went nuts. He took Mm -hmm. it down to Abbey Road where they had some EMI guys. And as soon as he played it for them, they were like, that's it. That's what we want right there. Go get it. (laughs) You know? And uh, can you imagine that? 16 years old being discovered by David Gilmore of Pink Floyd. Um, Wow. That's big. You know? Okay. You ready for rankings? I am. Let's do it. Yeah. You want to go first? Uh, Or do you want me to? Yeah. Yeah. Shall I start from, from 10, go down to one? Sure. All right. Um, so my number 10 album is Director's Cut, uh, which is really just kind of a, a bunch of stuff from different albums. Um, number nine is 50 Words for Snow. I found it interesting, but, you know. Uh, eight, I'm going to have to say Sensual World. Seven is Ariel. Six is Red Shoes. Number five is Kick Inside. Number four is Lionheart. Three is Hounds of Love, which was really hard because I kind of wanted that to be number one. But Dreaming is number two, and my favorite number one for Kate Bush is Never Forever. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah? So, yeah. So our, our, 
like it was kind of ine- inevitable that that you know the top three albums are going to be the same, not necessarily in the same, same order. order. Mm-hmm. Um, but further down the list, we're very, very different. Um, so I love Kate Bush. If um, if my relationship with Kate Bush's music were like a Vem diagram and I was one circle and Kate Bush was another as far as our sensibilities um, go, uh-huh. then I'd say like 60 to 70% would be overlap. Um, but the, the remaining 30% were like really different. Um, so it's like when she, when she's resonating for me, she, it's really resonating, and it's not song by song so much as album by album because she's. So I I don't think that there is a in inartful or anything less than a masterful album that she does. I mean, she never phones it in. She right. never. Um, she never sounds like she's burnt out or just uh, going through the motions, but sometimes she's just in a place that's not working for me. So yeah. she she creates a masterful album. It's just not not my sensibilities at all. Um, so the bottom three are ones that I just just don't care for. They're they're not for me. And then everything else, I like to absolutely adore. Okay. So Great. number 10 for me is um, The Kick Inside, her first album, um, for all of the reasons that I ranted about last episode. I don't <laughs> feel like I need does. to go into that again. <laughs> um, number nine is The Red Shoes. And number eight is her second album, Lionheart. So, so those are the three that I just, I prefer not to listen to. Um, Number seven is The Sensual World. Number six is Director's Cut. Number five is 50 Words for Snow. Number four is Ariel. Number three is Never Forever. Number two is Hounds of Love, and of course, number one has always been Dreaming. Yes. Although, I'll tell you what, for a couple of days there, Hounds of Love was, I was thinking there was going to be an upset. Um, they, I mean, it's like, they're, they're both as good as good could possibly be. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. You know, I uh, just before we started uh, recording tonight, I was going back and listening to the dreaming, uh, to dreaming, and uh, I was doing it on YouTube so I could actually watch the music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they distract me, but I have to say, just listening to that album, uh, my top three might be in the wrong order because it's one of those things. Every time I listen to it, something new comes up, something new yeah. stirs in me, and I think dreaming is is amazing. But Hounds of Love, I love it as well. So my top three are really tight. You know. Yeah, yeah, and we and we have the same three albums. They're just in a mm-hmm. different order. So, yep. okay, let's um, let's get into the albums. Sure. Unless there's anything else, just general about Kate Bush, you want to? No, we, touch we base well, on? we'll okay. 
we'll come into it. Let's let's get into cool. it. <laughs> so Kick Inside, this was released in 1978. We discussed it last episode. We played two cuts off of it, Them Heavy People and James and the Cold Gun. Um, the This was a massive hit for her in the UK. Um, Wuthering Heights was, was the big one. Yeah. Um, but also Man with a Child in His Eyes, um, Them Heavy People, and Moving were all UK hits. What, so, Wuthering, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that Wuthering Heights was one of those songs when I first heard The Kick Inside. Uh, I, I was like, boy, Kate Bush is just about fan fiction for music. It's it's not, you know, she's writing songs about her favorite books and her favorite movies. And um, but Wuthering Heights is that song that got stuck in my head, and I yeah. still can't shake it. Yeah. Well, there her her literary and cinematic, um, you know, her drawing from literary and cinematic references. Um, that's something that follows throughout her entire career. I, I think that um, just at the beginning, she's a little bit more overt about it, like naming the song Wuthering Heights. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas <laughs> later on, it's a little bit more buried. You know, she's she's a little uh, a little more subtle about you know what the inspirations is and and i appreciate that more than the than the like overly overt references so i um i passed on picking a song from this album because I, I just you know this it's not my cup of tea but you um you did pick one for uh this episode what did you pick uh well, I picked Kite. Uh, I still really like James and the Cold Gun. Um, if I felt like it was probably the most unique song on this album. Uh, but I felt Kite was kind of up there as far as being different. It popped. Now, this James and the Cold Gun might be my favorite song. Kite is not my second favorite, but uh, I think it's a good one. Yeah, so some interesting... I. You surprised me quite a bit with your picks, um, oh. and some of a couple of them are like totally on brand for you. But this is this these <laughs> series of songs that you picked are surprisingly lovely and sentimental for uh, you. I'm an old softy, Joseph. Well, and <laughs> I'll tell you what I um I did notice. Um, on Facebook that your uh, daughter had a birthday about the time that you picked your songs. Yeah. And I was wondering, I was wondering, <laughs> I wonder if he's just in a, this really sort of sentimental place because, yeah. <laughs> you know, because of he's celebrating his daughter's birthday. Maybe um, it will be it. There's one song in particular down the... Uh, that we'll get to in a little bit that really made me think uh, that that was a possibility. Oh, interesting. So um, this is uh, this is not a there there is no goth to <laughs> no goth tinge to mm -hmm. the song kite at all. Yeah, 
You're, you're right. I could have picked Wuthering Heights, which is a, kind of a gothic song told from the perspective of a ghost, but no, I went kite. <laughs> Also in 1978, um, Kate Bush releases her second album, Lionheart. Uh, apparently, this there was a lot of pressure from EMI to um, to do a quick follow-up just because the first one was so so successful, and she had way 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 more songs, um, you know, already written and kind of sitting on the shelf. Um, she in interviews she has she's expressed that she's not a super happy with this album because it's uh she felt like it was too rushed but i like it a little bit better because it's not it's a little little bit more low key it's not quite as excessive and in, in the ways that i find off putting um it, and the song that you picked was kind of uh, was a no-brainer. If somebody had come up to me and said, "I bet you a hundred dollars you can't guess what Rob, what song Rob picks," I would have gone, "I'm going to take that pet, that bet because obviously you picked what song? Uh, Coffee Home Ground." Yes. Yeah. So this. I is thought a, you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say Hammer Horror. <laughs> well, that was you know that uh, that would that would be my second guess. Right. But I I I feel like Coffee Homegrown is more successful. Um, yeah. Whereas Hammer Horror has is just a little bit cheesier. Yes, um, exactly. Uh, but this one is completely on brand yeah. for you, Rob. <laughs> Uh, it's got a uh, got kind of a cabaret type feel to it. Right, exactly. Um, inspired, I imagine, inspired by arsenic and old lace. Is my guess. of these songs on this album um you know coffee home grounds specifically that 
that song you mentioned that that cabaret feel to it um i like that and i i think there's a little bit of there's kind of a little bit of a mystery in there there's a little bit a little bit of uh i don't know i don't know if treachery is the right word but it feels kind of there's a little bit of darkness in there that I really, I really did. Well, there's there's menace to it too. Menace. You know, that's this it. is this is the first song uh, where there's some real, you know, uh, a sort of a an undercurrent, a threatening undercurrent to to mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. So oh. So I should mention that um, the hit single off this album was Wow. And this was a um, another, the album did very well in the UK, not as well as her, her debut, but. Um, I, I stayed away from Hammer Horror, by the way, I wanted to mention, because it was a bit cheesy, like you yeah, suggested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then in 1980, she releases a third album, Never Forever. Uh, that's three words. Um, and this is the first album where she does a fair amount of her own production. She, she doesn't produce it completely by herself, but she, she has much more of a hand in the production choices off of this album. Um, so up until now, if she was aware of punk and new wave, you wouldn't, you couldn't tell it from, from her output on, off of her two albums. But this is the album where she's, she's starting to go in a new wave direction. And this is when I start really loving her. I mean... Some of it sounds a little, the production sounds a little dated. And usually when I say that about an album, it's a um, derogatory um, phrase. But in this, it is, it's totally working for me. Her, her, she's really leaning into the, the drum machines and, and everything. But it's, it's a, a very deliberate artistic choice, you know, kind of like um, she she's using the drum machines like Wall of Voodoo will down the road where oh, yeah. it's um, it's not just, oh, we need some percussion. So let's just pull this out and do it. it, it there there's very specific intent. So it sounds of its time, but it doesn't sound dated. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that totally. Uh, I mean, and this is a 1980 album. This is, you know, decades ago. This is like music videos were just starting and and new wave music was just coming up. A lot of that stuff is is dated now. Mm -hmm. This, to me, still stands up. And it's it's a great album. Yeah, yeah. So, and... um... The three hit singles off of this, which all three, which I, which I really, really like, are Breathing, Army Dreamer, and then one of my very favorite Kate Bush songs, Babushka. I knew Babushka was going to yeah. be a favorite of yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, didn't pick the, that song to feature tonight because it was a little too obvious. Um, 
I picked um, the song Delias because it is, it's all about the atmosphere. Um, and I feel like it's really um, a little preview of what's to come in the, in the Dreaming, which is her next album. Um, and like she's dipping her toes into the, the, in the direction that is my absolute favorite of her, of Kate Bush. I don't know why, but I don't. I wouldn't have thought that you would have picked that song as being as being your favorite. Um, like I said, I knew Babushka was was definitely going to be one of your favorites. Well, I I love those two songs, but in two entirely different ways. Mm -hmm. Babushka is like just insanely catchy. It's, it's so just catchy. an insanely <laughs> catchy song. Whereas this song is she's really she's playing with atmosphere and different layers of sound and different ways to use her voice um and uh, that she she just does that so well yeah so it, it is not a flashy song right. i mean and it's not about the lyrics or anything it's just it's i i love the this little world that she puts you in for you know two or three minutes well, she definitely br broke some ground with this, with this album, with Never Forever. Um, you know, she it was it's the. Uh, by the way, the first number one album, um, by a British female solo artist, uh, to hit the UK album charts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she. That's a big she, deal. She has so many accolades and won so many, you know, this and that, and is the first to do this and the first to do that, that I just <laughs> didn't even bother, you know, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so, so she got a gold, so yeah, a gold album. No big deal. Yeah, she's got yeah. plenty of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she's the first female to do this and the first female to do that, yeah. particularly in the UK, on for a lot of different Yeah. You're right Thanks. about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the song that you picked, um, uh -huh. Infant Kiss, very lovely, very sweet, but oh. talk, talk about iridescent. I mean, every yeah. time I listen to this song, I think it's about something else. I mean, yeah. sometimes I think it's about her, her, her singing to her newborn son, and which makes me think that 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 might be a sentimental pick for you yeah. um and sometimes it's it i'm thinking 
no, it's a, a male lover and she she's discovering that the the frightened child inside of him and she and that's endearing him to her even more and sometimes i think it's almost got this like pedophile type yeah thing to it do you know anything about the actual I narrative do. story behind the song yeah okay. i do what is it and it's been driving me so nuts so you're you're right on all three counts no <laughs> <laughs> So, he is uh, such it, a good songwriter. I love this. I mean, yes. we could probably spend the next hour just talking about this song. I, I had to go back and listen to this song like five or six times. Um, at first, I thought, well, that's, yeah. I, I mean, it sounded sweet. And I, my first thought was, yeah, that's singing to a child. And then I kind of picked up on something. I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't, yeah. that sounds yeah. kind of predatory. But the song is, it's another song based on a movie. Okay. And um, it was inspired by The Innocence, which is a film inspired by Turn of the Screw. Uh-huh. And the song is about a governess who's haunted by these feelings that she has for a young boy who's possessed by the spirit of a man. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. And, I got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and so the so song has this like... It has a gothic feel to it, and it's strange, and it's eerie, and it's uneasy because yeah. of the material. Because there, there is a pet of, you know, I mean, she's got these feelings for this man who's possessing a child's body. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so it it made my skin crawl, and it's an amazing song. Yeah. <laughs> I say goodnight, night. They took him in tight. I know I bitch a lot about our format and how, you know, we're only playing like 45, 50 seconds of a song and how quite often it doesn't capture the feel of the song. But with Kate Bush, it is taken to another level because her her music is, you, you, you luxuriate in it and you can't get you know, in in just a sh short little snippet, you can't really get the full power, even, you know, most of the power of the song. So um, please, everybody, yeah. if you if you only ever click on one link to a playlist on this episode, make it the Kate Bush one. Yeah, you know, it's. Her songs fluctuate too. It's like you could listen to a segment of one song and then down the down the song, you know, listen to more of the song, and it yeah. sounds like a totally different song than what started. So uh, yeah. you're right about yeah. that. Yeah, that's right. But it it is not like 
So with 75, 80% of the songs that we feature, it's pretty darn easy making the choices because it's like, okay, verse, chorus, you know? But um, there are some artists like um, David Bowie or, or um, Elvis Costello where like Elvis Costello's hard, but it's hard because he's got so many different parts to the song as far as like melodies changing and chord structures right. changing and all of that. But Kate Bush is completely different. She doesn't have a lot of like different, differently constructed parts of a song, but she just keeps building and evolving the mood and the textures yeah. within a certain chord structure um that it's this is going to be re this is really hard to to pick you know which section to feature um yep. for for a lot of these songs so. hence, the, hence the playlist go listen to the playlist yeah yeah <laughs> all right can we move on to the dreaming or let's do it yeah okay so the dreaming Love this album so much. It is one of my 20 Desert Island picks. Um, I think I, when, when we were talking, when I was talking about Kate Bush in the Favorite New Wave Artists episode, I think I told the story about how I came to love this album, but I think that we cut it out. So I'll, t I'll tell it again real quickly. Right. Um, this was this was not the first album of hers that I got. I discovered her through Hounds of Love, um, and when I got this album, The Dreaming, I didn't really care for it at first. And then one night, I w I had it playing, and I was drifting off to sleep, and I was kind of half asleep, half awake. And then it just totally clicked because I was exactly at the right level to get what the album was about. And I don't I don't think there's ever been another album where within 15 or 20 seconds, I went from, you know, having listened to the album several times and being kind of indifferent to it, to suddenly loving it. I mean, it's just like, it fell into place. I mean, my eyes bolted open and I went, Oh, I get it. Yeah. This is this is that kind of an album. Um, that's, and that's exactly what I went through. So I think yeah. I think a lot of people have had that same experience. Um, honestly, I could I could pick any song off of this album. I mean, if as as my pick because I I just love them all. Yeah. If I were going to list my like five or ten favorite Kate Bush songs. Not many from this album would be on that list, I don't think, because they, it's not, these songs are not standalone, catchy little ditties. It's, uh, it's part of, they're all part of a whole. I, I, this album amazes me. Um, so the, the only real hit single off of this album um, that got any chart, real chart action in the UK was sat in your lap. Um, this album is a fav, uh, a favorite of Bjork's. That's no surprise. You can definitely right. draw a direct line from this album to Bjork and Big Boy. So what song did you pick off of this album? So this was a difficult one. Um, 
if I were to just look at the track list, I think I'd probably pick Houdini. But mm-hmm. uh, after listening to this album two or three times, I decided to go with Leave It Open. I kept it in the cage, watched it weeping, but I made it I love this album, and I love this song. Um, what one of the really, really special things about this album is she is she is trying every possible variation of what she can do with her voice. Yeah, I mean she is she is singing from every different place in her body, and she is experimenting with noises and guttural sounds i mean she there are there's phlegmy stuff where it sounds like she's about to hawk up a loogie and there are (laughs) parts where they're brain like donkeys it's just and oh that it should be obnoxious it should not work at all but she is so exact and so deliberate about how she uses all of these different textures and another thing that i just adore about Kate Bush in general but this album specifically is quite often when you have an artist um, you know where it's where it's one person primarily like Kate Bush or Elvis Costello or David Bowie or you know and they use backup singers of the opposite sex mm-hmm. um, those those backup vocals really stick out like sore thumbs like don't fit at all but the way that she uses the male backup vocals always works for me yeah i mean it is she is so in in control in in the very best way about how these songs are put together i'm interesting thing about that is um I talked about uh, David Gilmore was basically responsible for discovering her. He uh, he does background vocals on "Pull Out the Pen." Oh, oh, yeah. fun, fun! Yeah. I did not know that. Um, also, it should be mentioned that this is the first album that Kate Bush produces by herself. Right. And usually, when artists start producing stuff by themselves, you know. Things go downhill quick, but not in this case. I yeah. Well, yeah. I think we already know from Kate Bush that she um, was above and beyond 
before she even started recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, from the time she was 11. I mean, when she did her first demo, she already had six, at least 60 songs in her canon. So yeah. I think, uh, I think that, you know, she's an exception. So we were talking a little bit ago about her literary references and i was uh -huh. saying how at the beginning they were really overt and here it's a lot more subtle um the song that i picked was get out of my house and i i picked it just because i love the song but when, when i was researching it um i discovered that this is about um stephen king's the shining what Oh, wow. So <laughs> subtle, so subtle. She's she's really figured out how to be inspired without being too blatant about it. Haunting and iridescent. Yes. If I had known that, and I, I probably should have known that. I don't know what's wrong with me because I do like to do my research. Um, I that would have set me over the edge, and this would, and it may now be my favorite album of hers. Mm. Um, Get out of my house is based on The Shining. That's that's yeah. beautiful. I mean, she takes a she takes something that would be horrifying, and, and sure, it's it's a little unsettling when you listen to the song, but it's it's gorgeous, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I gotta say. You know, as I'm waiting to hear back from you about the songs that you pick, I make my tentative list about the songs that I pick. So I, I yeah. choose a couple in case, you know, there's an overlap. And my two choices were Leave It Open, which you picked in this yeah. one. So if, if you had switched, I would have picked Leave It Open and we would have listened to the exact same songs. Yep. <laughs> Great. 1985 sees the release of Hounds of Love. This was her breakthrough album here in the States. Um, Running Up That Hill was the first time I ever heard Kate Bush, as far yeah. as I knew. Same here. Um, she got a lot of radio play. Um, this was kind of a monster album here in the States for a new wave artist. Um Running Up That Hill was the biggest hit here in the States. Cloud Bursting, which is one of my very favorite Kate Bush songs. I love that song so much. Um, Hounds of Love and The Big Sky, all just really, really solid hits, both in the UK and here, at the, here in the States. Um, all right. 
This is a partial list of all of the different best of lists that this album pops up on. I I got tired after a while, so I because <laughs> there's so many of them. Yeah. Take a deep breath. Here we go. Rolling Stone magazine thinks that this is the 68th greatest artist of all time. NPR thinks it's the fourth greatest album by a female artist. Q magazine has a lot to say about this album. They say it's the 48th greatest album of all time, the 20th greatest British album, the third greatest album by a female artist, and the fourth greatest album from the 80s. And then NME thinks it's the 48th greatest album of all time. Um, I hadn't listened to this album probably in 10 or 15 years. And I was blown away when I went back and listened to it because how she, even on side two, okay, so it is, this was released back when it was just records and cassettes. And right. I, I think CDs were a thing, but it, but at that point, but they were not commonplace. So there was a side one and a side two. And so side one was very much the pop stuff and side two um, is referred to as the ninth wave, I think, right. and a lot right. more experimental. But how she managed to create an album that is so catchy and so accessible, even on side two, but yet so weird and intriguing and and um, compelling and baffling and beguiling. Uh, it is it is an absolute tightrope what she does. So yeah. masterful. Um, I think I was talking to you about this. I picked up uh, a book called How to Be Invisible, which is a book of lyrics by, by Kate Bush. And in this section of the book, um, the, the lyrics, you know, like I said, to me, I read them in this like poetry. Um, you know, you don't even have to know the music to really enjoy this. This is great. But it's separated by Hounds of Love and the Ninth Wave. So what song do you want to hear um, off of this album? Let's get sentimental and uh, uh, play Watching You Without Me. Come let you know what's been happening. song this was your pick that that surprised me the most 
was like, wow, Rob, you're really getting soft on me. <laughs> but yet there, there's still enough weirdness going on. What yeah. is this? What is this song about? Is it it's it can't be just a straight, uh, you know, yeah. love um, song like longing for, you know, a, you a know, scorned I, lover. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I did no research on ah. this song, but this is the one that will not leave my head. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's 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 got some weirdness to it, yeah. And it sounds sentimental. And all I all I know is it's permeated my brain, and it just won't it won't leave me. <laughs> yeah. My choice off of this album, and I'm going to kvetch just a little bit more about the fact that we can't play the the whole song. Um, because this is like, even for Kate Bush, this is a frustrating song to just take a little bit out of it. Because it's a short song. It's like a little bit over two minutes long. It's an, just a constant build. And I'll tell you, I have heard this over the years. I've heard this song hundreds, if not thousands of times. Because I put it on mixtapes and, and playlists and all of that. Right. And still, to this day, every time I hear it, every time I hear that ending, I literally get chills down my spine. It is, this song spooks me in the very best way. Uh, what do you think about this song? Is this, it, it, either this, this song, this is one of those songs that you either you click with or you're gonna think it's completely useless. Yeah, I don't know. I find it to be amazing myself. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. It's wonderful Everywhere So I think it's, I don't know, I think it's brilliant. There's, uh, uh, but of course, there's almost no song on here that isn't. I just, I love the entire the entire collection. Um, Under Ice, of course, is in that ninth wave. And, uh, you know, it also has a bit of weirdness in it. Yeah, well, I would say of all of the songs, it is the most yeah. unconventional. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah. All right, as much as it pains me to say that we need to move on to the next album, um, yeah. I think to fit everything in, we do. I mean, The Sensual World, this is released um, four years later in 1989. This is, this is not a bad album, but this is, you know, she, as far as I'm concerned, as far as my love for Kate Bush, she peaks at at hounds of love uh -huh. um so the sensual world this is an absolutely 
apt title. I mean, this is this is a sensual world that she inhabits in in this album for sure. I felt uh, I'm not too crazy about this album. Obviously, I mean, we talked about our rankings, but I felt that, that it was very commercial, and and it it kind of knocked me back. I didn't really care for it. All the songs to me felt like they had to fit within this same commercial bubble. You know? Now, now explain that to me because I, to me, it doesn't sound nearly as commercial as the first half of the previous album and the, her next album, um, the red shoes sounds more commercial in a different way. Hmm, um, yeah. To me, well, this this sounds like a like a victory lap to me. Mm. You know, it, it sounds like she, like a lot of these songs she made up in the studio. Uh-huh. Like she's this album is like sinking into a warm bath. Yeah. Um, like this would be a good background album for yeah, for, for sure. like for like a yoga or water aerobics, and that. That sounds like a bit of a diss, but if I were in a yoga class or doing water aerobics and somebody put this album on, I would go, yes, perfect. This is absolutely what I want to listen to, to, to do this. But, um, do not, do not listen to it while you're in the hot tub. (laughs) It also, I I may be way (laughs) off base here. Uh, and of course I, I don't pretend to have any insight into Kate Bush's mind space, but it did while I was listening to this album, I went, Hmm, I wonder when Enya put her first album out. Yeah. And it was like two years before this. And I wonder if Kate Bush didn't, I mean, because I think at this point it was pretty obvious to most, at least astute artists that, that, New Wave had peaked, and if you want to yeah. stay alive, you'd have to move on. And I wonder if Kate Bush didn't kind of look over at Anya and go, "Oh, I, I, I can go in this direction." So it I, just so I, happens to not really be my thing. Yeah, mine either. And I, I think when I when I said uh, commercial, I think what I'm trying to get at is that it feels like she's following a trend. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Well, it is um, this and the next album are the two albums that sound the most dated mm-hmm. in the wrong way. Yeah. You know, um, it's, yeah. So I, I'm totally on board with you. And when we get to director's cut, um, I will, I will post an argument that, that Kate Bush might agree with us, but I'm jumping the gun okay. on that. Um, now, the only other comment I have about this album is, you know, how he's talking before about how great she was at integrating male vocals, you know, yeah. where most artists fail when it comes to integrating um, backup vocals of the opposite sex. I'm, I'm a little surprised at how she kind of drops the ball with a lot of the overdub guitars because they really don't, they really stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. They really Can, sound like a session musician just came in, listened to it a couple of times, yeah. did some stuff, and then left. Can I, uh, can I drop a little secret? Please do. 
Yeah, Dave Gilmore does guitars on this album. Ah, <laughs> well, you know what? That totally makes sense because I, okay, once again, I have no idea what Kate Bush's headspace was. But <laughs> if I were an artist doing an album and David Gilmore came in, not that I'm a huge um, David Gilmore fan, but just he's such an icon, and he did some stuff that I didn't feel quite fit. It would be really hard to say, oh, Dave, that's not really working. Can we yeah. do what I want you to do? So that actually makes sense. Yep. So this is this is a nice album. I, I didn't really feel compelled to to pick a song off of this album. So what did you pick? Well, I was uh, while I was listening to this, I'm sitting here on the coast and uh, the fog rolled in. And mm -hmm. uh, for some reason, that's the song that, that kind of hit me was the fog. Yeah, a really, another really lovely sentimental song. <laughs> Boy, I'm getting old. <laughs> Just like a In 1993, Kate Bush releases what will be her best performing album here in the United States, The Red Shoes. This album really annoys me. And it's it's <laughs> not because of the songwriting. It's just because, you know, when we're talking about the, the Vim diagram of my aesthetics and hers, yeah. this is the album where I'm way to the left and she's way to the right, you yeah. know, as far as like, polar opposites um this is there's a lot of really good songwriting that i feel are kind of killed by the production choices and the the arrangement choices oh, yeah. this this feels like a really commercial album and you can't begrudge her because you know it was her best-selling album here in the yeah. states absolutely you know it so this album came out in 93 and I'm listening to it, and to me, it sounded like it wanted to be '80s pop, and yeah, yeah. and wasn't quite pulling it off. Wasn't quite pulling it off. Again, I'm going to go back to the the songwriting is amazing, and uh, you know anybody that that loves her loves her songwriting should go back and read that book that I mentioned. But um, to me, the sound of it all, yeah, just. It just doesn't work. So the um, the big hit off of this album was Rubber Band Girl. Um, if the sensual world was an um, a warm bath, this is like the opposite of a warm bath. It's a this cold is, shower. It, well, it's it's not even a cold shower. It is a shower where the the temperature goes hot too hot and then too cold and then the pressure dies and then it's too strong it's just like all over the place and yeah. it's it's really disjointed to me so uh what song are we going to hear off of this album 
I picked Big Stripey Lie, and the reason I chose chose it, I'm sorry, the reason I chose it was because it was practically the only song on the album that wasn't a single at some point. Mm. <laughs> several really really well written songs that are just kind of marred by cheese ball production and arrangements that's kind of my takeaway off this album so she goes into hibernation at this point um doesn't release another studio album until 2005's ariel um uh this album really really resonates with me and originally I was thinking oh this is like the sensual world part two but the more I lived with it the more I got to thinking you know what this is actually more of a in a weird way this is more of a follow-up to the dreaming Mm -hmm. um in the sense that so if the dreaming was you know a woman in her 20s making music and it's like this nightmarish fever dream uh, you know from from a person who's got a lot of angst and a lot of uncertainty and and all of that well this is like the book end to that so this is the deep blissful slumber of an old soul who is at peace with the world and it is really working for me. Um, it is split up into two halves, kind of like sh- what she did on the um, Hounds of Love. And I really like the second half more than the first half. Uh, but I, I kind of love this album. The big hit off of this album, it was hit in the UK, but it didn't do much here in the, the US, was King of the Mountain. Um, and I, I had like five or six that I really liked about the same amount, but I decided to go with Sunset. So this is a, it's a big album. And I mean big in that it is, it's a two discs, you know, it's a, yeah. it's two discs basically. A lot of songs, yeah. Um, 
her her magic is working you know she's she's flexing those artistic muscles and uh, it's it's a fascinating album in 2011 kate bush releases the album director's cut which are all songs that she has previously released now i don't know if you noticed this or not but they're all songs off of the sensual world and red shoes yeah but because they're all songs off of those two albums my guess is that she kind of came to the place where she felt like ooh the production is a little dated let's go back and let's you know retool these songs and release because i like these versions of the songs much, much better, better yeah. than um the original version say i didn't i didn't choose a pick you might have noticed yeah yep. um and the reason is is because that none of them connected i mean mm. i just didn't feel strongly about any of them and uh honestly it made me kind of sad because here is uh, an artist that i never felt connected to until i started researching this episode <laughs> and then it's like wow she is she's amazing and then when i got to director's cut it it didn't feel that the dynamic had changed enough for me to to really connect to it. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I I like it. It's it's right kind of right. These last two albums are kind of right in the middle of the pack for me. Uh -huh. um, so I I enjoy them. Um, so speaking of which, let's in the same year um, she also really uh, released uh, fifty words for snow, which is original songs um and i feel bad because i i don't feel like i've really given this album a chance that happens sometimes when we do these deep dives where the where the very last couple of albums particularly if i'm not that familiar with them i just I, they get shortchanged a little bit yeah. uh, just because i'm feeling a little little burned out so i've listened to this maybe four or five times but it's always been you know, playing while I'm in the workshop building something. Um, you know, so I, I never put on headphones and I never like really focused on it. And um, I had a hard time picking a song because this is a, this is a quiet, um, un, 
I, I, I don't, it may be a little unfair to call it um, unambitious, but it's just a low key album. It's, yeah. it's very low key. Um, and so the song I picked uh, is called Wild Man. And it, it is by far the most rambunctious song off of this album. And it's really not rambunctious at all. But, you know, quite a few of the songs really just are her at the piano. I mean, yeah. she, maybe that's not literally true. She might have overdubbed the vocals, but it's just her and piano, you know, very simple, um, very, it's, it's a modest affair, but I think it's, it's lovely enough. Probably would have been the one I picked. Well, my my guess, if if I listened to it five more times, I'd probably have a different favorite song off of this album. Because this do. this yeah. this album, or excuse me, this song, it's a little. As I've been living with it for the last week, it's a little gimmicky for me. It mm-hmm. is. It's about um, the abominable snowman right. and. Um, it's you know there's it is it's by far like I said the most rambunctious song off the album. It's also the kind of the most produced, yeah. you know the most uh, overdubs and and all of that. But yeah. it's kind of fun. The energy level is a little higher yeah. than most yeah. of the other songs. You know, there are many 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 things that I love about Kate Bush, and one of them is that have you I. I I'm 95% certain this is true, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but did you notice uh, on her studio albums, not one single cover song? Yes. Well, that's because she's into the fan fiction for musicians. I mean, come on. (laughs) She she doesn't need to remake a song. She'll she'll make a song. I mean... So, so happy about that. Yeah. As, you know, yeah. as you know, not a big fan of cover songs. <laughs> I wonder if, I wonder if we're going to hear, get any more original stuff from her. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. It's, it's been a while now, right? What, Nine with years. The last, yeah. yeah. So, um. Well, 10 years now. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, which reminds me, um, if you're new to Kate Bush, um, you know, typically I don't recommend getting to know artists by picking up the best of albums, but her 
her album, um, The Whole Story, which was released after um, The Hounds of Love. So good. I mean, she is... I don't refer to her as a singles artist because that implies that really her only her singles are great and everything that she she does when she's great she's fantastic but her singles are so good so good and on the whole story there is one new song called I think experiment number four uh, which is really cool, Rob. If if you're not familiar with that, you should check it out because that it seems like it might be right up your alley. In fact, Sweet. why don't we will go out on experiment number four um, at the end of this episode so that you can hear it? Um, yeah, fantastic. Because it's it it's got um, even though it was I assume it was recorded after Hounds of Love. It was released after Hounds of Love. It's got more of a um, the dreaming type vibe um so so this is really cool all right i think i've said everything that i have to say about kate bush what about you well yeah except like i said this was an upset for me i mean i came in expecting to not like it at all um and i came out liking pretty much everything i listened to um quite a bit so uh, wow. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Like I said, I was really excited and I'm so glad that we did this episode. Yeah. 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 And it was, the timing was so perfect after yeah. all of the fucking insanity going on in the world, specifically in the United States. Yeah, totally. I needed to spend the last week just, just absorbed in Kate Bush's music. It was, yeah. it was the perfect tonic tonic for to to ease my troubled soul yeah thank you kate bush yeah (laughs) so as always uh in the show notes there's a link to the playlist that includes every song that we heard tonight and every song that we mentioned so you can hear all of her her you know big hits as well um such a good playlist yeah if you got this far uh chances are you're digging this podcast if you haven't already uh please do go over to apple podcasts and leave a review just even if it's one or two sentences it really really helps in our visibility so other people can find the show rob how can people get a hold of us they can get a hold of us all over the place. You can uh, write to us at deepdives.deepcuts at gmail.com. You can catch us on Facebook. You can get us on Twitter. You can even get us on Instagram. Uh, we've got a listener, Jane, who only has who only uses Twitter. Um, and she really appreciates, uh, you know, plopping a, a notice that there's a new episode out there. And, and she's grateful for the show. So talk to us yeah tell us what you tell us what you want tell us what you like yeah. Um, yeah i would say right now the most activity that we're getting is on facebook and um we're getting to the point where there's enough activity on our facebook page where you might want to go there even if you don't you know 
want to communicate with us directly, but but some of our our listeners are starting to just post stuff on their own. Yeah. So did you see the um, the picture of the um, the record of uh, Richard Hell and the Voidoids Blank Generation that that Tony posted? I haven't seen that yet. No. Oh, so great! So he's. I I'm assuming that 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 was the original release, uh-huh. um, and so cool to see. I mean, I in my mind he's he's had that since 1977, and it looks like it's in pretty good shape, Ooh, and uh, it man. just kind of like blows <laughs> my mind. This coming That's from cool. a guy who hadn't even heard the album until six months ago, so yeah. really cool to see. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks for posting that, Tony. We dig it. <laughs> so next episode, um, first Sunday of next month, is going to be March of 1978. We're going to look at the debuts from three prominent punk bands and a follow-up from, from Promising Punkers we discovered last season. We'll talk about how a brilliant songwriter finally gets the backup band he deserves, Plus, the godmother of punk makes an appearance, and we introduce ourselves to the Jesus of Cool. Oh, the Jesus of Cool. I can't wait. (laughs) I cannot wait. (laughs) So, let's go out on Experiment 4 off of the um, whole story, Best Of. Nice. This has been real fun. Yeah, for sure. I will talk to you next month. All right. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you.